lesson for this evening comes to, comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Listen for God's word to you. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. And your ancient, ruin, your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to live in. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. People who attended Ash Wednesday worship with her foster parents, and it came time in the service for everyone to go forward and to receive the ashes. And so she made her way forward with her parents and and the pastor made the sign of the cross on her forehead and spoke those familiar words of this night. Remember you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. When they made their way back to their seats, the young girl began to cry. And, and so later on that night, the, the foster mother who cared deeply for her foster daughter asked her why she was crying. And, and she said, my entire life I've been told that I was dirt, and I didn't expect for the church to give me the same message. Is that what we're doing here tonight? Is that what we're doing in God's presence? We're reminding ourselves that we're dirt, that before we begin this most sacred journey in the Christian year to the cross and to the resurrection, that we are reminding ourselves that we're dirt. This is how we begin our Lenten journey, isn't it? We gather together and we smash the ashy remains of last year's palm branches on our forehead. Nothing is more metal than that, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, our funeral rite says. Four to six pounds of ash, that's all that's left of us after we're cremated. 
But for me, Ash Wednesday has come to mean something more than just a reflection on our own mortality, on our own impending deaths, right? It's come to mean something deeper. Because when we say those words, remember you are dust, and to the dust you shall return, that, that returning to me indicates that it's not just about thinking about that journey forwards in time, thinking about where we all eventually will end up, but it's also this journey backwards to this reflection on who we are. It's reflection on our human origins, that we are made and formed from the dust of the ground, That in the biblical imagination, this is what some of the biblical writers imagine. There are two creation stories in the book of Genesis. If you didn't know that, now you do. There's your biblical trivia for your next Jeopardy night. There are two creation stories in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1 is that story of of God's spirit hovering over the, the waters of chaos and speaking creation into existence. But then in Genesis 2, we We meet our dusty origins, that God stoops down into creation and begins to form and to create us. And we can let our imaginations run wild here for a moment and imagine the scene, like a a potter sitting at her wheel forming her creation. God in the dirt, playing in the dirt, forming arms and hands and legs and eyeballs for seeing and ears for hearing, minds for reasoning and souls for loving, that God plays in the dirt in Genesis 2, that whoever wrote down Genesis 2 doesn't imagine God as some far-off being somewhere out there, but a God who plays in the dust and in the dirt. I remember when I was a kid, we had this sandbox in my backyard, and my siblings and I would play play in it all the time. We'd drag out our plastic buckets and shovels, and we would build all sorts of things, and we'd build sandcastles and forts and as a kid, I was obsessed with dinosaurs, as so many kids are, and I'd have little archaeological digs for the bones of Tyrannosaurus rex and Stegosaurus and Triceratops and dinosaurs whose names I can't even remember anymore. We would play in the sand. And this is what God is doing in Genesis 2. God is playing in the sand and in the dirt and creating us and forming us. But of course, what God is able to do with God's playtime in the dirt is much grander than anything I or my siblings could have done in our backyard sandbox. Because once God is done forming us and creating us, God then takes God's mouth and presses it against ours and breathes divine, holy breath into us. That the God who created everything, the mountains, the seas, the oceans, the, the, the mammals, the reptiles, everything seen and unseen, everything discovered or yet to be discovered, everything that may never be discovered, God creates all of that, then breathes that breath into us, and we become image-bearing creations. To say that we are dust is not simply a statement of our mortality, but it's a statement of where we come from, that God breathes life into the dust. I think what's so beautiful about the biblical imagination here is that it sort of gives a depth of meaning to what we're discovering about the universe. That we've discovered, not we, the scientists have discovered, that the universe is something like 13.8 billion years old. And new discoveries are being made every day. In the summer of 2022, the NASA launched the James Webb Space Telescope, and they're taking these pictures of, of the universe, of the cosmos, that we have never seen before. Uh, so there's this image. Maybe. There we go. This is the deepest infrared image that we have ever taken of space. 
there are thousands of galaxies in this image alone. Um, and there are also the faintest images of those galaxies that we've ever been able to take, these really far-off ones. And all of that is already impressive, right? But here's where it gets even more amazing to me, is that if you went outside and looked up into the night sky where this picture was taken, and you picked up a, a grain of sand off the ground and held it at arm's length, all of that is contained within that grain of sand. This vast story that's taking place. And then there's this image. These are what's known as the cosmic cliffs because they kind of look like a mountain range. The tallest of those cliffs is seven light years tall. This is where stars are formed and where they're, it's, it's like one NASA scientist called it the maternity ward of stars. <laughs> and then finally we have the star ring nebula. This is a star that's cloaked in gas and in dust and it's been going on for as long as we could imagine. That when we think about ourselves as dust, this is the stuff of the universe that we are made of. The astronomer Neil deGrasse Tyson, a name that's familiar, I'm sure, to many of you, says this. He says, the atoms in our bodies are traceable to the stars that manufactured them in their cores and exploded those enriched ingredients across the galaxy billions of years ago. For this reason, we are biologically connected to every other living thing in the world. We are chemically connected to all molecules on Earth, and we are atomically connected to all atoms in the universe. We are figuratively, we are not figuratively, but literally stardust. So when we imagine God in the garden forming human beings, playing in the dust and in the dirt, God is forming us from the stardust, from the, from the chemical compounds that exist within stars. There are 59 elements in Earth's crust that are found within the human body. And what scientists believe is that uh, all of those elements we find in Earth's crust, almost the entirety of Earth's crust, is made up of the elements we find in stars. God forms us from the dust, the stardust. We are literally stardust. That those universes, those galaxies long ex extinct, those stars that have long gone out, they live on in each and every one of us. We are stardust. We are connected to every single thing. And what this tells me is that we, none of us are individuals who live alone and in isolation, but we are intimately connected to the cosmos, to the creation which God used to form us. We are connected to every single person on this planet who God also formed and breathed divine breath into. And we are connected to the God who holds all of this together and makes all of this possible. We are connected to all things. But of course, the human story is one of forgetting that connection, isn't it? that there are ways that we lose in that, that connection. We, we suffer from what the philosopher and theologian Paul Tillich calls estrangement, disconnection, disconnection from, from who we really are. We experience estrangement from God, that our prayer lives are not always what they could and should be. Our relationship with God is not always all that we imagine it could be. We experience estrangement from our, from our neighbors who carry that same divine breath within them, that we categorize them, we, we forget what it means to love, we speak unkind words, we exist and live within structures of injustice and oppression, 
We experience estrangement from creation, from the earth itself, which gives birth to us and which sustains our lives. We also experience estrangement sometimes, even from our own selves, that we absorb the negative messages of other people and we construct a false self and live not as the person that God created us to be. We experience this estrangement. And so this is why I think we participate in this strange ritual that we do every single year where we make the sign of the cross and ash on our foreheads. It's to remind us not only of our mortality, we know a lot about that in recent years, but it's to remind us of who we are, that we are intimately connected with all things, and that Lent is the season where we recover those connections. That this, I think, is the thrust of Isaiah's bellowing out in our passage this evening. That Isaiah is speaking to the people who long for a connection with God. They say, God, we long to see you in our lives and yet you don't hear us. We, we lie down in sackcloth and ashes. We make ourselves look as miserable as possible because that's what God wants, right? You know what a fundamentalist is? Someone who's upset that somewhere in the world somebody's having fun. Is God a fundamentalist? I think not. God, why don't you see us? Why don't you see us? We've given up chocolate and caffeine. We're not going to McDonald's till Easter Sunday. We're not watching the new Netflix show that just came out that all our friends are talking about. Why don't you see us? This is not the fast that God chooses, Isaiah says. The fast that God chooses is one that breeds connection. It's not about abstaining from the McDonald's drive through until March 31st. It's about how you abstain from things that harm your neighbor, especially your vulnerable neighbor, your oppressed neighbor, your hungry neighbor. It's not about how you give up coffee, but it's about how you feed the hungry, clothe the naked, make the world a better place. It's about how you remember that you are stardust and that you become a repairer of the breach, Isaiah says. A repairer of the breach that exists between us and God, a repairer of the breach that exists between us and our neighbors, a repairer of the breach that exists between us and creation, and sometimes even a repairer of the breach that exists within our own souls. And so as we embark on this most sacred journey towards the cross and towards the empty tomb, The question in my heart and on my mind is, what are we going to do that helps breed that connection, that helps us to become repairers of the breach? What sort of practices are we going to take on that helps us to fix that that estrangement between us and our neighbors, between us and creation, between us and ourselves? To remember that most fundamental truth that we are stardust, we are connected to all things, To the stardust we return. And so in just a little bit, we're going to receive the sign of the ashes. Again, not in the shape of a heart, but in the shape of a cross. And I've done something a little different this year, and I didn't come up with this. A lot of churches have done this in recent years. They've added glitter into the ashes to remind us that we are stardust, that we are connected to all things. 
So as you come forward and receive the sign of the cross in a little bit, you'll hear those familiar words. Remember, you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. But remember that that dust is the dust of stars, of our connection to all things. And as you begin this Lenten journey, take on the fast that God desires, the fast which brings connection to ourselves, to God, to creation, and to our neighbors. Thanks be to God. Amen.